Discover community. Find hope and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Eric Kuhner. So she begins to say to herself, He's here. He's here. He's in the room. He's at the place that I've been waiting for. She's been waiting for this moment. I love how we just was transitioning from this worship of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's beginning to think that I've been waiting for this opportunity. I've been waiting for this moment. And he's finally in the room. He's finally in the house. What I've been longing to do, I'm getting ready to do. And what I've been wanting to give, I can finally give away. What I've been holding on to, I'm not going to hold on to any longer. She's saying, he's here. He's in the room. So she rushes to get the object of which she's been holding on to. Something that's of great worth, something that's of great value. And she grabs the object and she begins to look at it. She unwraps it. It's been put away for a while. It's been tucked away and she's kind of held it back. It may have been used for something. It may have been something that she's supposed to use later down the road. But she says, I'm not going to miss this moment. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. I'm not going to hold back what I am intended to do in this hour. God has for me right now, for this, for this moment, this is my opportunity. And she unwraps it. And she's holding in her hand something of great value, something of great worth. And she begins to look at it. She begins to remember its value. This precious bottle of fine perfume that she's holding in her hand. She begins to think, what is he going to think? What will he say? What will he do? Would he be angry? Would he see in the very aspect of my heart? Will he see how much I love him? Will he see how much I care? And if she's at this time, she's thinking, she's thinking I can't hold back. Man, she is so excited. She's, she's ready to give what she's been holding on to. She can't stop. She can't wait. She's, she's giddy with excitement. She's, she's been longing to do this. And so she runs to the object of her affection. And she takes and she breaks the jar. She gives her most valuable possession to show her heart and love for the master. It shows the true heart of worship. It shows what she truly values. It shows her willingness to give her all to him. It shows that she was willing to be extravagant in her worship. She was willing to pour everything of what she had, her most valuable possession, upon the one true king. In Mark 14, starting with verse 1, this is now the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teacher of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. How dare you give something of such great value to him? It's basically what they were saying. They, Judas, murmuring, complaining, 
What they saw in front of them was something valuable for themselves. Thinking, yes, they were... They weren't going to give it to the poor. They weren't wanting to use it for that. It was something for their monetary gain instead for them, for themselves. It was of a selfish nature. But they're thinking, how dare you waste something so valuable, so precious? Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, knowing what they're saying, and hearing their murmurs in the room, says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand, prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So who's this woman? In Mark, it talks about as the story says, this woman comes in, she, it doesn't give a, he doesn't give a correlation to her name. He doesn't say who she is. But if we look over in John chapter 12, verses one through seven, John gives the reference to who she is. It's, it's Mary, the sister of Martha and, and Lazarus. They're in the house. They're here at this place. It could have been their home. It could have been somebody else's home. It, wherever they were at, this is where they were at for this, for this moment. So we're, we're, we're talking about Mary today and what she was giving, what she was willing to give, what she was willing to pour out. So what did she give to Jesus? What was her offering? What was her offering? Was it just an alabaster jar uh, full of, of nard, a perfume, something expensive, which was very expensive. It was very rare. It represented her very best. It represented her pouring out the very best, what she had and all she had. Uh, the, the, the perfume, the spikenard, whatever, it was very rare, very hard to find, which made it so expensive. It could, at that time, they only found it in, in the Himalayas of Nepal, China, uh, India. It, it's in the, the honeysuckle family. So it wasn't something that was just like you went down and it would grow in your backyard and you'd be like, hey, I've got this cool perfume, but it's so expensive. But it's, it was something that was rare. It was something that was valuable. Even as they talked about the, the worth of what was in that jar, there's references to the fact that, that, that it, it was worth a day's wage or, or worth a year, or not, it wasn't worth a day's wage, it was worth a year's wage. About 300 denarii. That's how much that was saying it was worth. But it, to her, it was, it was everything. To her, it was all that she had. It was this, this rare gift. It was this something that she'd been holding on to. The story perfectly illustrates the meaning of true worship. Can you imagine taking what you have worked years for to just give it all away? What you have worked years for to just give it away. Saying you're at that place in your life and you're going to retire and you're going to take a year's worth of wages, which may not be the same monetary value, but to her in that time it was. To say, yeah, with all I have, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it away. I'm gonna give it away. I'm gonna take this whole year's worth of wages and I'm gonna say, here, Jesus, this belongs to you. If that's what the Holy Spirit would speak to you, if that's what God would speak to you, would you respond in obedience that way? Here was her moment, here was her opportunity to respond in a way of obedience, in a way of giving everything to Jesus. Pouring out herself, pouring out Something of great worth, something of great value. At that time, it was something less than he reserved, but he deserved. But the thing is, he still received it. 
The jar could have been her life savings. It could have been her whole, her whole life. Some customs talk about the fact that it could have been her dowry that was meant for her husband. It could have been something that was passed down to say, when you get married, this will be the dowry for your husband. But she chose to say, it's not something I'm holding on to. This is not something I'm going to keep for myself. This is not something that's meant for me, but it's meant for Jesus. It's meant for the opportunity to pour out upon him, to be the blessing to him. It's not something I want in my life, but I want to have the opportunity to bless him today. It was all she had, and yet she broke it open and gave it to Jesus. To me, that's trust. That's love. That's that expression of of what love really looks like, what worship really looks like. It's even giving our whole lives. If we're looking for a powerful example of what worship is, we can look to this illustration of what Mary did. She, with a wholehearted, she broke something of value and poured it out her heart. We, as I can say, an example of us is, are we pouring out our, our heart to Jesus? Are we giving our all to Jesus? Are we saying, God, I want to pour myself out to you. I'm not holding on to anything in my life. God, I, I give you my life. I give you my resources. I give you my family. I give you everything. Who I am, I belong to you. And I want daily that my life would be poured out to you on a consistent basis in praise and worship. That my life would be an example of worship. My life would be an example of praise. And what I do for the king that people see in my life, they see the worship of Jesus. They see that there's a demonstration of abundant love. There was a demonstration of abundant love. Abundance, which was in her grasp. By giving her most precious possessions, Mary showed much love to the Lord Jesus. The thing is, it was custom in that time to anoint the guest of the house. It was custom to anoint those that came into the house. To, to anoint their head, to, to anoint their feet. But Mary did what Mary, what Mary did was much more than custom. She put on a display of abundance. Uh, in Mark, she says she it, it anoints her head. In John, it states that she anointed his feet, and I believe that she did both. John's recording one one perspective of the event that took place. Mark's recording another perspective of the event, but I believe everything took place as recorded. When she came into the room and she's holding that gift and she's looking down and she breaks it open. The thing is, she could have, she could have easily just said, you know what? I'll, I'll just take it, pull off the wax seal or the cork or however the bottles were sealed in those time. Some say you actually had to, to crack the bottle to use it, to, to pour out the whole thing. But whatever it was being, she was not just going to say, I'm going to use just a little bit for what was custom. She went beyond that. She went beyond on the abundance of saying, this is not something I'm going to hold on to any longer. This is not something I'm going to choose to keep forever. This is something I'm choosing to give up, to show my expression of abundance, an abundant love to Christ. So she could have used just a trickle and wiped a little bit on his head and wiped a little bit on his feet. But she chose to pour it out upon his head. And I believe it ran down through his beard across and covered him. Down into his feet, and she anointed his head, anointed his feet. See, sometimes in worship, we just want the trickle. That trickle effect. So does the trickle down effect. Where have you heard that from? But our worship should be extravagant. 
our love for Jesus should be of an abundance. She'd be in that place to want to pour out everything to him, to offer everything to him. To say, God, I don't hold on to anything. I don't want to just come into your presence and just give a little bit. But God, I want to give my very best. I don't want to just have just a little bit of your presence. But God, I want to walk fully in your presence. I don't want to just hear a little bit. But God, I want to have conversations where you're speaking into my life. Because I've surrendered myself into your presence. And I've surrendered myself at the feet of Jesus. And I'm sitting in his presence. And your spirit and your anointing is there. And God, you were there. And I'm having an opportunity to have communion with you. To hear from you. To be with you. Sometimes we come to worship. Sometimes we come into his presence and we think we're doing him a favor. Sometimes we think we're here and say, God, I'm here. Look at me. I've arrived. You're welcome, God. Our worship is not something to God that increases his power and his strength. When we worship God, it's not that we're worshiping him for the fact that all of a sudden now he becomes a stronger and we call out his name and he's like, oh, thank you for worshiping because I was so weak. And if you didn't call, no, and worship is intended. The fact that we have the, the opportunity in a relationship with God that we get to love on God. But when we surrender ourselves into his presence and we surrender our heart to him, that opens it back up that he can begin to pour back into you. That his anointing can be upon you. See, worship is more for the fact that we are being blessed by God than God being blessed by us. It's because we've surrendered ourselves to come into his presence and we don't hold anything back. And now we're open to receive because we're not holding on to anything. Now God can begin to pour in and God can begin to fill up because we've taken the things from our life and saying, God, it's about you. It's about you. For us as as believers, can we even begin to match Mary's act of giving her all? Can we get to that place of pouring out? I believe, yes, we can. We can be in that place to learn to flow in extravagant worship on a daily basis. But it takes commitment. It takes that time. It takes that effort to say, God, I give you these opportunities. I give you these moments in my life. I give myself away to you. I don't hold on to the oil. I don't hold on to the perfume. I don't hold on to the thing. But God, I pour out everything which is of value to me. I give to you because God, it belongs to you in the first place. What I have is not really truly mine. Everything that we look at our life, do we go and say, God, thank you because this belongs to you because you have blessed me with it. I love when we have the opportunity for, for baby dedications and the opportunity as parents come and they give their children back unto the Lord. Because we just have our children on loan. God has blessed us and God has given us and a great inheritance in our life that we get the opportunity to lavish upon them the love of Jesus and that they get to see Jesus in our life. But truly, they don't belong to us. Truly, what we have, when God has blessed us and we can open our bank account and our checkbook or pull it up online and see We think that's our value. We think that's our worth. But that's not who we truly are because it doesn't belong to us. That doesn't belong to us because that is from God and God truly belongs to you. And I choose to give that away. The way I serve other people is in response to who Jesus is in my life. The way I live is according to who Jesus is in my life. 
And if you don't know Jesus today, the fact is that you can know Jesus. If you're searching in that place and discovering who he is, trying to figure out who truly is Jesus. Who is this God that you're talking about? The thing is, you as well can come to Jesus and pour yourself out in repentance to him. And he will forgive you. In Mark, or in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50, this is the other account, a separate account, but similar story. But it's an example of, of coming to Christ in repentance. In Luke 7, 36, it says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner, and this is Simon the Pharisee, so don't get those names mixed up if you ever start reading in, in Mark or or John and be like, Simon, wait a minute, I thought, no, this is Simon the leper is where Mary's at. This is a different, different story. This is Simon the Pharisee. It says, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. What kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. How dare he allow her to touch him? If he only knew. He knew. He knew what... Simon was thinking as well. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. I love when Jesus just basically reads your mail and then he puts people in their place. God reminds him of who he is. Kind of lays the smack down a little bit sometimes. And Jesus, he does that. He does it so lovingly though. (laughs) He does it so lovingly. So Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt to forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she get wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Calling him out. Custom was, you should have greeted me with a kiss. You should have anointed me. You should have anointed my feet. You should have washed. You should have given me water for my feet. You haven't done any of that. You're so pious and so full of yourself that you're missing something very important. You do not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You do not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith is has saved you. Go in peace. A beautiful example of, of a broken, of brokenness, of desperation, of being in a place without salvation, of being at a place without knowing Jesus, not having that relationship, but she comes in repentance, pouring out 
something of value to her. Hoping, I believe in her heart, maybe she's thinking, this is all I have to offer. Some people have said she was a prostitute or she was this. or We know that she was a sinner and she was lost. That she didn't know who Jesus was yet. She had heard. Why would she have showed up? Why would she have come into the room if she didn't know this was the, the one that could forgive her? But she came with a gift opening, maybe this is enough. Maybe this is enough. And it was not the fact of the jar was the worth. It was that she gave herself over, that she was willing to bow at the feet of Jesus in repentance. That God says, you are forgiven. Adoration poured out of abundance. Whether we're in a place to discover who Jesus is or what it means to truly worship, we don't spectate. We participate. So don't spectate. Participate. We see that those in the room, we talk about the second point, the attitude of those uh, in the room are, are, are negative. The onlookers were, were negative. They were so wise in their own eyes that they missed one of the most significant events of personal ministry to Jesus during his lifetime on earth. They, they missed what was happening in the room. They missed what was taking place. Even the Pharisees in that story were missing what was taking place. They were so concerned with the sin of this woman and her being in the presence of Jesus and touching Jesus, they missed the fact that her life was being transformed and changed. And even as the Judas and those in the other room were missing the opportunity of what this woman, Mary, was truly doing, the sacrifice of worship and praise unto to Jesus, unto her master, the one that she's truly loved, the, time, the one that she's spent time with, the one that she spent at his feet multiple times. Hearing who he was, hearing the stories, hearing the fact of, of, a, of a great love. So many times we have probably missed the point in being a worshiper. I've missed the point in being a worshiper. Worship is a choice, not a feeling. Worship is commitment of heart, not just an emotional outflow. It's a choice, not a feeling. It's a commitment of heart. Even though Judas got upset with her for her wasteful act, wasteful, the Lord Jesus was blessed and his heart was touched by her. I don't know if she would have done just the minimum if Judas would have been up so upset. But I think Judas was dealing with guilt. Judas was dealing with the fact that he was about to betray Jesus. He'd already been betraying Jesus. He'd already been putting money in his own pocket. He'd already been doing things for himself. He was already in that mindset of being with somebody so amazing that the fact he couldn't even see who he was truly with. He was missing who he was with. And he was so consumed with himself that he couldn't see what was taking place in the room. Maybe if she had done just a little bit, she would have just trickled out. She would have been so extravagant, it would have been a big deal. But she chose, she chose to pour it out. She chose to give everything, to give everything. I remember when we were first married, first married several years into it, Anita and I, my wife, Anita. Um, Anita's dad used to do our taxes. We first got married, we couldn't afford to go get our taxes done, and he would do our taxes. And I remember some of the, one of the first things we did when we first got married and learning about tithing and giving what was due to God. I, I was so excited. I was so ecstatic. I mean, I couldn't, I, I was like, yes, I get to give. And it was a trusting thing because 
man, I, we were working. I was working a gas, reg, a gas station. I was working for landscaping. I was working, doing whatever I can, barely making it get by. But I chose, we chose early on to give. And we didn't just give from our net. We gave from our gross. I always said, I don't want just a net blessing. I want a gross blessing. And that's for you and you alone. But that's what I choose to do. And what we chose to do is like we give off our gross. Because I want, what more can I give to God? I don't want to hold something back. And I remember as he did our taxes, he came down and he said, you guys shouldn't be able to make it on what you're doing. You're giving too much away. Now, this is not to slam or dad or anything. And he's a Christian. And, but there were some things in his life, understanding the giving process. That he looked at us and said, as young as you are, you shouldn't be giving as much money away as you do. Because, you know, there was a guest speaker came in and you gave some money there. And there was an evangelist that came in and there was a singing group. And, oh, and you gave some money to help kids go to camp. And you help do this and you do that. And, and he was basically saying, you're giving too much away. Hold back for yourself. It was something in my heart of commitment, of worship to Jesus. What we chose to do was in worship to Christ. It was in worship to him. It was saying, God, I don't want to hold on anything. It belongs to you anyway. Non-worshippers or spectators will always be on a different wavelength. They will see it as an overstatement, even a gaudy display of affection or emotions. Some choose not to see the significance of what it means to pour oneself out before the Lord. Or maybe others look at themselves as unworthy to worship at the feet of Jesus because of past mistakes and failures or sin in our life. We think we can't come into the presence of the Father because of what we've done or what we're doing. So we find ourselves so unworthy. We will stand in a worship service. We'll stand when the Holy Spirit is speaking and saying, bless this person. Do this thing. Serve in a way that's in worship. Be an example for your children in a way of worship. And so many times we'll look at ourselves and think, I am so unworthy because of what happened last night or what happened last week or what I did or what I looked at. And we think we can't come into the presence of Father. But more than ever, that's the time to press in to the presence of the one that brings healing and restoration and salvation and brings wholeness. So many times when we're walking in trials and walking in guilt and shame, for some reason, we pour, pull away from Jesus instead of pushing into Jesus. We're like, I know, wait a minute, you're my source of healing, but I'm going to stay back here because I feel so unworthy. Let me get all this junk done, fixed in my life, and then I will feel worthy to be in your presence. It doesn't work that way because we will never fix it over here. We have to go to the one that fixes the things in our life that transforms, that changes, that restores, that, that takes the brokenness and makes us whole. He's the one that takes and breaks the chains from our life. He's the one that breaks addictions in our life. We won't do it on our own. We have to come into the presence of a father and pour ourselves out. We have to find ourselves broken in his presence. It reveals the beauty of worship. When we look at the response and admonishment of Jesus to this woman and the disciples, Jesus said that she has done a beautiful thing to me. It speaks of the beauty of worship in God's sight. In this case, it was the beauty of her act and the fragrance that was left over in the room after she anointed Jesus. See, there's a fragrance to your worship. There's an aroma that comes from the overflow of heartfelt love toward God. 
Many people still stand on the sidelines, never fully breaking open their alabaster jar. Never, they're just cracking the seal instead of just smashing the jar and saying, here it is. Here I am, God. I give it all. I give it all to you. There's a sweet smelling Savior and it's rarely let out of the box to be enjoyed by God and his people. There's beauty in worship. There's beauty in the way in which we worship. I'm not talking all of worship this morning saying worship is only when you stand in the, in the sanctuary with music surrounding you and the instruments playing. Now I've come to worship. Worship is in everything that we do. Worship is in the way which we live our life. Worship is in, in our, is an action. It's in, it's in commitment to Him. It's in sacrifice. It's in our serving. You're looking for ways to worship. And we have so many places around this, this church that says, where can I get involved? How can I be a worshiper? How can I be an alabaster worshiper? It's where can I serve? Where can I get plugged in? Where can I give? What can I do? How can I be a part? Can I be, can I teach in a way that's worshiping? Can I give in a way that's worshiping? Loving, going, praying, in obedience of worship. All these things are intertwined together in becoming a true worshiper of Jesus. Sometimes we have to be broken before we can be poured out. Brokenness releases the sweet aroma. Brokenness releases the sweet aroma. There's an aspect of aroma to brokenness that has not yet been understood by so many concerning wholehearted worship. So many of us hold on. Brokenness is not a bad word. Without the breaking of the box, there is no anointing. Without the anointing, there is very little or no fragrance. If we're not willing to be broken, if we're not willing to break ourselves open, our hearts to be broken before God, to be poured out, then... There is no anointing that's taking place because we haven't surrendered. We haven't given it all to him. Then without it being broken, there is no fragrance. I'm not sure if Mary really understood what she was doing or maybe she did. Maybe she realized there was just a few days left that Jesus was going to be on earth. Maybe she did realize what was happening. Maybe she had heard in those stories as she's talking and the disciples were missing it. Maybe she knew. And all the things he said is leading up to this moment in just a few days. And I'm to pour this out as he even said that she's preparing me for my day of death, for my burial. Maybe she realized that, maybe she didn't. But I think one thing she did is she knew how to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit to say, now is the time. Now is the time to pour out. She did a significant thing. She anointed Jesus, validating it. With honor, brokenness, beauty, and affection. She did an extraordinary thing. An abundance of pouring out. She was willing to offer. The thing is, if she can bring such worship before God, then what kind of worship are we to bring? What are we to offer? What are we to give? Are you willing this morning to break that alabaster jar, that place of worship, the things in your life to say, God, I'm not going to hold on to anything. I'm willing to give everything to you. So I want to invite you this morning to stand with us. And we're going to worship. We're going to come to place as an alabaster, alabaster worshiper. I believe it's somebody who's willing to be committed to, to Christ completely. One that exemplifies surrender, humility, total abandonment to the Lord. Someone who puts Jesus before anything and everything. Something that comes from the deep recesses of our heart. The Father, I'm going to worship you. 
Yes, worship is an expression. It's commitment. It's pouring ourselves out. It's not holding back. See, the the jar wasn't the reason that there was value. The jar was not the valuable thing. The jar itself, the box, that was not the valuable thing. It was what was inside the jar that brought value. But when she broke that, it became extraordinary. She wasn't holding on. And are we consistent pouring forth our hearts and sharing our love with the Father. This morning, maybe we need to break the jar. I pray that there would be a sweet aroma in this room, that that would be a fragrance into the heavenlies this morning, that we don't hold anything back. I believe that the Holy Spirit would challenge us this morning, even the aspect of worship in this arena that we're in, to not hold anything back that we surrender that we surrender to him last week Pastor Paul was practicing (laughs) his takeoff (laughs) he's practicing his takeoff one day there's going to be a takeoff point but we get to practice every day what it's going to be like being in the presence of the Father or do we and these are just great opportunities that we get to be in the presence of loving. Because we step into heaven one day, we get to be in the presence of the king. And we're going to want to worship. We're not going to want to hold back. We're going to want to give everything. We're going to break ourselves open. Why not start here? Don't wait to be like, okay, when I get to heaven, then I'll truly worship. Or when I get rid of it, I will truly win it. We can play the if and win game. But now is the moment. Now is the opportunity to break that jar. Okay. Let's worship with us this morning.